Today on the show, it's the perfect episode to get caught up with because we're taking you through the best of our nerdy news segments so far. Time to wake up. shine nerds grab your coffee wipe the sleep from your eyes and turn up the volume as we help kick off your day with love thy nerds official weekly nerdy news show i'm radio matt i am the director of content and resources for love thy nerd and i am flying solo today uh look i'm gonna level with you uh we planned on recording a show this week and life was like uh nah bro <laughs> you can combine the blame here on two things the first being our kids soccer association, which has refused to get its act together since the beginning of the season that threw at the last like Wednesday morning at us that, Hey, we're going to have two games this Saturday, not just one. And it's going to be the final two games of the season. And they're going to start at 9am. And then the next one's going to be at 2pm. Uh, and so, yeah, that threw our whole schedule off. Cause we also have like Christmas photos that we're taking with all the kids in between those two things. And then we have our church's fall festival in the evening. And then I have to set up for Operation Christmas Child at our church, which we're doing on Sunday, which all of this has now happened by the time you've listened to it. But we normally record on Saturdays and our entire Saturday just got obliterated by scheduling. And so we thought maybe we could record a little early. Maybe we could do Friday or Thursday night. But no, the other thing you can blame is my wife's commitment to this fall festival. My goodness. She is making a massive indoor like cardboard box maze for this thing that's filling up our entire sanctuary. Uh, and it's basically just her, I think, and her sister putting it together. And they have spent late into the evening every night actually all day from lunch onward. Uh, I'm sure we'll talk a little bit more about it next week, but all that to say, ain't no new show this week. But I thought this was going to be a fantastic opportunity instead now, because there are quite a few people that are jumping on board to the show now that we've gone weekly, because I get it. A daily show was a pretty big commitment when it comes to how much listening time you have in your day. So we're going to use this opportunity to go back through our older episodes, all of our daily shows, and pull out some of the best of all of our news segments. So the best news stories, our best reactions, we're going to go through that, give you a smattering of what has gone on before in our first 44 daily episodes so you can catch up and you'll be with us here in our weekly episodes moving forward. So uh, I wouldn't expect to get another one of these for a while since we're doing weekly episodes now, maybe a, a yearly recap at the end of the years moving forward. I don't know. But for now, this is what we're doing this week. I hope you enjoyed. I've actually had a lot of fun going through our daily shows and pulling out some of the best bits. And you also see kind of the evolution of us kind of getting used to the new show and how the design changed over <laughs> over the months as we've tried to get this perfected. So uh, yeah, that's, that's fun too. We've had a lot of history in our first uh, five months, five months that we've been doing this. So yeah. Anywho, let's, let's dive into the past and have a little fun. 
This week we are talking about the bonkers fast growth of AI and how AI is already intertwining itself into our lives, when a year ago we rarely talked about it outside of science fiction. Today we are going to look at how AI has been brought into the faith world. First, let's talk about AI Jesus. Ugh. This is an AI chatbot made to look like Jesus, or at least the Americanized idea of Jesus. Right. Uh, and it streams on Twitch uh, 24-7, like just constantly, mm -hmm. answering Chatter's questions. So just like we have Chatter's in our Twitch uh, stream this morning, mm -hmm. it takes those and answers i think at random because there's too many people in there for it to answer I'm all sure. of them. It takes I'm sure. but, um i've watched quite a few of the interactions and some of the clips that you know people have made from interesting situations uh and while often silly and weird feeling the bot does seem to keep fairly within the lines of what the bible says uh, Which Bible are they using? <laughs> the uh, new AI James version. <laughs> so here's a silly example uh, where a chatter asked AI Jesus to compare his disciples to Pokemon. Now, I'll compare the apostles to Pokemon in a simple way. One, Peter is like Pikachu, the most well-known and a natural leader. Two, Andrew is like Bulbasaur a supportive and reliable companion. Three, James the Greater is like Charizard, courageous and full of zeal. I don't like Four, how he's pronouncing John is like Jigglepuff, known for his gentle and loving nature. Five, Philip is like Golem, strong and firm in his beliefs. Six, Bartholomew is like Alakazam, representing wisdom and insight. Seven, Matthew is like Meowth, who transformed from a selfish person to a selfless follower. Eight, Thomas is like Psyduck, sometimes confused, but ultimately loyal. Nine, James the Less is like Squirtle, modest and resilient in the face of adversity. Wow. So chat says, that looks creepy. Huh? Yeah. This is, this is what's happening right now on Twitch. Uh, <laughs> it's yeah. an interesting concept, an interesting... Um, 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 Project, what are your thoughts on seeing that? <laughs> I think that's dangerous. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Now, now, what I uh, while it does you know goofy things like that, mm -hmm. I have seen in the the first interaction that I saw was somebody asked them to um, explain a certain chapter of the book while talking like Daffy Duck or Donald Duck, and. AI Jesus said, I would love to talk to you about this, uh, this book of the Bible and dive in deeper with you, but out of reverence for, uh, the word of God, I will not be using a, you know, a voice. I don't know exactly how it phrased it, but I will not be using a silly voice that might be deemed disrespectful. And I'm like, Oh, well, that's good. That's wow. nice. Wow. <laughs> Um, and uh, AI Jesus also has the ability to remember uh, if it's interacted with you, and it'll mention that. It's like, it seems that we talked previously about this, and, yeah. you know, this kind of thing. It was it was very strange. But, yeah, just like a Corthane says in yeah. the chat, at least there are limits. Yes. Yeah. It doesn't seem to be... Um, it doesn't seem to be 
any kind of malicious intent on part of the programmers. It seems to be a genuine attempt at doing something like this respectfully, uh, as respectful, I guess, as it could be. Um, right. But it, there are workarounds with that because it does read people's usernames and some usernames mm. have cuss words in them. And so some a lot of the clips that you see, which are user generated clips from people that are watching, are ways that it tricked Jesus into saying a cuss word or something. Mm. And I'm like, well, this is uncomfortable. Uh, but <laughs> interesting. It tricked a robot into tricked saying a, robot, a Essentially, yeah. Word. Not really Jesus. Jesus can't be tricked. <laughs> Let's talk about piracy. <clears throat> Nobody here does that. <laughs> uh, article from thegamer.com. Uh, this week, Disney removed a film called Crater from Disney Plus, which was released on May 12th of 2023. Okay. So like less than two months it's been on the platform. Uh, 48 days. And to be in fact, about seven weeks. Disney hasn't said why, but it seems most likely that it didn't perform well enough and the company decided to remove it to write down the value of its content assets, therefore lowering their taxes. It's all about the money and always has been. And there are unfortunate consequences that come with this. Disney isn't the only streamer that's guilty of this. Every streaming service, including Netflix and HBO Max, now just Max, has taken shows and movies off their platforms without warning. Willow was canceled and removed from Disney, the rebooted show. Really? Yeah. Was canceled and removed from Disney. That was one of their, like, before Disney Plus even launched, it was one of their Disney Plus Day announcements. Mm -hmm. Like, this is coming. Mm -hmm. uh, and people were hyped about it. <laughs> as well as the well-loved single drunk female from Hulu, uh, HBO pulled Westworld and Snowpiercer. Uh, Grease Rise of the Pink Ladies was canceled and pulled from Paramount Plus just last month. Uh, just a couple weeks ago, they canceled Star Trek Prodigy, the animated kids show. From Star Trek. Wow. Uh, it seems like anything could be pulled at any time, mm -hmm. and that sucks. It's bad enough that streaming services are canceling shows left and right because they don't meet arbitrary sales targets, but when they are pulled from these platforms entirely, many of them disappear forever without any other way to get to them. Several of them aren't even like on DVD or anything like that. Mm. Uh, but a lot of people just don't have DVD players anymore. We right. don't. We don't. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I don't even have a computer with a disk drive, so I can't even throw it in a <laughs> in my computer <laughs> to play it. Um, a lot of these shows are made for streaming, never aired on cable, and were never physically released. Bigger prestige shows like Westworld and Snowpiercer appeared on cable originally and are more likely to have Blu-ray releases, but these Disney shows are gone or other things. Uh, there's no legal way to watch them anymore, and these companies are not interested in even selling you the access because, again... If they are able to remove it from their platform, mm -hmm. it lowers their taxes. It's a reduction of content assets, assets, which uh, I think the first the first streaming service to do this was Paramount Plus, or at least the first one to get notice. No, I'm sorry, HBO Max. Mm -hmm. HBO Max canceled a, canceled or got rid of a whole bunch of stuff in their category in their catalog when they combined with uh, Warner Brothers, <clears throat> and so. It seems that some people have no choice but piracy <laughs> if they want to watch some of their favorite now impossible to stream shows. Uh, everything on streaming services uh, are on the dark web somewhere. 
so just no legal way, but does archival sanctions come into effect when they are removed? Um, I don't know. <laughs> I missed Dark Crystal series. Netflix did. Yeah. <sighs> Apparently Echo was going to get the same treatment as Batgirl, but they're holding on to it because of the right of strike. Yep. Uh, I still have a 4K player and a disk drive on my computer. I still have hard copies of my favorite movies. That's good. We I did uh, before, well, Netflix was around, but before Netflix, maybe Hulu, but before any of the mm-hmm. other streaming services started coming out, I took all of our DVDs, of which we had a lot. Mm-hmm. That's mainly we what did. we bought in our early years of marriage, mm-hmm. was just collected a whole bunch of DVDs. I painstakingly, over six months, ripped every single DVD that we had, and I'd say about 80% of it was successful. No, it wasn't mm-hmm. corrupted or anything. And so we have a big old drive mm-hmm. full of shows and movies. Uh, they're just hard to access. Like, you know, if I want to watch them on my computer, yeah, that's easy. But if I have to put them in my TV, then you got to go through the weird TV process. And sometimes it takes forever to load. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but the <laughs> the piracy thing, back when we were younger... To pirate movies and TV shows and things of that, you had to download them from like the Pirate Bay or uTorrent or all these different things. You would download this extremely uh, poor, yeah, it's usually very low quality <laughs> put locker, yeah, very low quality uh, because they had to cram it into a, a, it wasn't even a zip, it was a RAR file, so that was even smaller than a zip. They had to cram it all into this so they could down, you, know, you could download it and then open it up and you'd have this, but it wouldn't ever, sometimes it would have bad subtitles, sometimes it would be the wrong thing altogether. You never really knew. It would take hours and sometimes days to download these things because mm-hmm. they're all based on like, you're not having a direct download from somewhere. They're all based on other people uh, having it like open in their system. And like you would download bits and chunks from everybody, a <laughs> little bit from everybody, which I don't know, maybe that's a way to, you know, have a hard time proving that you downloaded it from one specific source. I have no idea. But anyway, that's what you had to do back then if you wanted to pirate things. And we totally never did that. And that's how I don't know at all how it works. <laughs> um, but <laughs> but now there are websites, not even dark web websites like, like Tadhall said, just freely open websites that have a back catalog of everything from every streaming source and even a lot of things that aren't on streaming services, mm-hmm. movies, TV shows, very easy to access, very easy to search. Uh, it's just on a browser that is completely free. Hmm. And you're not downloading anything. You're just streaming it from the website. And there lies the rub with the problem that the streaming services are going to face is that at mm-hmm. this point, there's nothing illegal about it. There is no legal precedent that says you can't watch a video online. You're not responsible for it being up there. You didn't put it there and you're not downloading it. Mm-hmm. You're watching a video someone else has put on the screen. It might be a weird gray area and that might be addressed legally in the near future. Mm-hmm. But as of right now, there's no law that says you can't watch something that is on the internet that it itself is not like an illegal thing, you know, like a, snuff film or something like that you know they can't exist right these are you know things that some other person has put up and you're just watching it and that's a gray area Hmm. and so that's that's a problem because now i have done that before 
because there have been times that uh there i don't remember what the what the movie was there was like a specific movie i really wanted to watch and it's nowhere Mm. couldn't even Mm -hmm. rent it online nothing and like well i'll see if this place has it and that's kind of how i found it and i'm like yeah okay (laughs) and so i watched it and it was great um and it was such an easy experience and it cost me nothing Mm-hmm. And so I feel like the streaming services really got to realize, you know what, we got to make a balance here. <laughs> and I don't know if that's just how it was always going to be, because every one of these streaming services, as they started, has said that they're not going to be profitable hmm. for a long time, if ever. Wow. Uh, Netflix, I think, is the only one that's still profitable. Um, I don't think any of the other ones have ever been technically profitable they're pulling in you to their company and to their brands mm-hmm. and helping you you know connect with their brands and ip outwardly but the streaming services themselves don't make enough money so that means they're either raising prices which most of them have done already mm-hmm. adding more ads disney already has an ad tier now which it didn't at the beginning oh wow uh <clears throat> or just hoping you won't go and <laughs> look for it anywhere else mm-hmm. Uh, Netflix has been going downhill for a while now. Uh, Tropic Turtle says, yeah, I, I would agree with that. And their password sharing thing, the password sharing thing changed up. And that feels like a desperate move, especially when they spent many years being like, it's cool. Mm-hmm. Like I, they, mm-hmm. I, I saw someone post like a tweet that they had posted in 2014 saying love is sharing a password, you know, a Netflix password with someone. And then suddenly it's like, well, if you don't live within uh, 50 feet of the Wi-Fi router that is connected to this account, then uh, you got to pay another $8 to be on this account a month. Yeah. I'm like, that's going to hurt you. It's going to hurt you. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I don't know. So why are they doing this again? Let's talk about costs. Uh, article from uh, Wall Street Journal. Services such as Netflix, Netflix, Disney+, Plus, Paramount+, Plus, and Max become default entertainment options for homes across America rather than cable, saving many consumers money. Uh, but for the Titans Hollywood, Hollywood, the shift has been costly. Traditional media and entertainment companies have reported losses of more than $20 billion combined since early 2020 on their direct-to-consumer streaming services. So a lot of money. Wow. A lot of money they're, they're having to eat. Um Netflix, which brings in profits, is the exception, uh, but the rest of the industry is wondering, while consumers love streaming, is it actually a good business? Mm. Investors now care about profitability rather than growth. Growth? Growth? A <laughs> uh, change that makes finding new revenue streams and retaining customers critical. Studios that for years were able to splurge on content to feed viewers a sensational appetite for new shows and films now must pull back to make the math work. The ad market is weakening. Many companies have laid off staff to save money, and Hollywood writers are currently on strike. Market values for Paramount Global, Comcast, Walt Disney, and Netflix are down more than $280 billion combined since the end of 2020. Warner Brothers Discovery is worth about half of its total value since 2022 uh, trading debut uh, at the, uh, as the company combined. The declines have come after many of the stocks rose during the early part of the pandemic when consumers were stuck at home and hungry for entertainment. Mm -hmm. So that's also the problem. Mm -hmm. Uh, Essentially, uh, mainly with uh, Disney Plus, it's like they came out in the height or like just before the pandemic. And like everyone's like, all right, here we go. 
We're gonna watch all of our Disney stuff from all of history. Yep. <clears throat> yep. Yeah. I mean, I don't know what their other option would be at this. I mean, no one has cable anymore, mm-hmm. right? They've given us the ability to stream and have their channel. And I don't think they can take it away. I don't, yeah, I don't think they can just end it. <laughs> I don't think. Right? Even if a service ends, like if, if Paramount Plus closes down, right. they're going to sell the rights to stream those shows to other streamers, just right. like they did before. Just like when there was only Netflix and Hulu. Right. They would split them up between the two. Mm-hmm. Uh, and currently, a lot of movies and stuff bounce around between the, all the mm-hmm. streaming services, which is kind of annoying. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, but yeah, I don't think... I don't yeah. know what they could do. I don't know what they could do at this point. I feel like they're all kind of stuck. And if they just give it up, they might save a little bit of money in the short term. But I think it's going to hurt their brand overall. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know. Is it our fault? Have we hurt? <laughs> have we hurt them? <laughs> all right. Let's talk about emojis. Ooh. All right. All right. Uh, this is a story from the Globe and A Saskatchewan judge says an emoji can amount to a contractual agreement. Okay. And ordered a farmer to pay more than $82,000 for not delivering product to the grain buyer after responding to a text message with a thumbs up. (laughs) I knew it was going to be the thumbs up, too. I knew. The Court of King's Bench decision said that the grain buyer with uh, Southwest Terminal sent a text to farmers in March of 2021 saying that the company was looking to buy 86 tons of flax for $17 per bushel to be delivered in the fall. The buyer, Kent Mickleborough, later spoke with Shift Current farmer Chris Archer on the phone and texted a picture of a contract to deliver the flax in November, adding, please confirm flax contract. Archer texted back a thumbs up emoji, but when November came around, the flax was not delivered and prices for the crop had increased. Mickleborough said that the emoji amounted to an agreement because he had texted numerous contracts to Archer, who previously confirmed through text message and always fulfilled the order. But the farmer argued that the emoji indicated only that he had received the contract in the text message. I deny that he accepted the thumbs up emoji as a digital signature of the incomplete contract, Archer said in an affidavit to court. I did not have time to review the flax contract and merely wanted to indicate that I did receive his text message. Mm-hmm. Justice Timothy Keene said in a June decision that the thumbs up emoji did meet signature requirements and therefore the farmer breached his contract. The judge pointed to the dictionary.com definition of the thumbs up emoji, which said it is used to express assent, approval, or encouragement in digital communications. She said, this court readily acknowledges that a thumbs up emoji is a non-traditional means to sign a document, but nevertheless, under these circumstances, this was a valid way to convey the two purposes of a signature, Keene wrote in her decision. Uh, She noted that while this case is novel, emojis are now commonly used, and therefore, this is in fact an agreement. Wow. So, I hand out thumbs up emojis like candy on Halloween. (laughs) So who knows what I'm legally on the hook for now. (laughs) And in in our office, so we, a long time, we did not have like any sort of community. Our little communication on our computers was strictly text. It was like black and green. It was like old, old school garbage. (laughs) 
Like back when computers didn't have mouse. No, it Mouses, was called Intercom. Mice. But, yeah. But they recently went to Microsoft Teams, and we have access to all the emojis. And the thumbs up can be used in two different ways. It can acknowledge mm-hmm. or be a affirmative. Mm-hmm. Like we use it both ways. Like I could see, I could see both sides of that argument. That was like, you need to approve this contract. That was an okay. I'll look at it. Right. Not a approved. Right. Yeah. And yeah. even even in in real life, like I've used it as like someone telling me, "Hey, this this this," and I'll be like, "Got it." Right. Thumbs up. Yeah. As in, I have heard you. I acknowledge this. Yeah. Get back to you later. Uh-huh. But that could also mean I will do this for you. Yes, <laughs> it's an agreement. Right. Yeah. So I I don't I can see the argument both ways too. I don't I don't know. But, yeah. But as a, it just take it feels like it takes a little bit of a leap of like, but this is the same thing as a signature on a contract. Right. Is it right? Is it really? Don't we need notaries? I thought we should have it. Well, I guess that's in the United States and this is in Canada, but still like that's a bit much. That's a bit much. Uh, trombone dog asks, uh, is it the emoji itself or reacting to the message with the emoji? Like the little, you push and hold right. and you can give a reaction. I don't know. Right. They yeah. feel like two different things, but maybe they aren't. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. This is uh, part of a column, I believe from Philippe Esposito from nine to five Mac. As reported by Windows, uh, Windows latest, the Cortana app, which was Windows Siri, you know, mm-hmm. has received an update via the Microsoft Store after two years without getting a single new update. But instead of new features, the update pretty much kills Cortana <laughs> and now shows a message saying that Cortana in Windows as a standalone app is depreciated. So earlier last week, during a call with investors, Apple CEO Tim Cook reinforced that Apple has been conducting research with a wide range of AI technologies, including generative AI, for years. Multiple rumors have pointed to Apple internally developing a technology to compete with ChatGPT. However, while Microsoft and Google have already made their new tools available to the public, Apple's still a long way off. In the meantime, Siri is still Siri. Uh, Even Apple employees complain about organizational dysfunction and a lack of ambition when it comes to development of Apple's virtual assistant. Some employees point out that Siri is still based on a very legacy technology uh, and that improving it would require a lot of effort. Seeing what other companies are achieving with generative AI, I, I think, he says this, I do think it's time for Apple to give up on Siri and focus its efforts on new technologies. Um, what this is essentially saying is Cortana, Siri, maybe even like Alexa on the way out, Hmm. kind of reached peak level of what they can do without AI involved. Hmm. So (laughs) are all of these going to be outdated? Is this, um, like I'm remembering, this reminded me of before we had the smartphone, mm-hmm. we had our flip phones. Mm-hmm. I remember in college having a flip phone that had TV on it, <laughs> heavy air quotes, TV on it. <laughs> and what it was, it was like five minute long audio clips with tiny little size of the postage stamp 
and heavy pixelated mm-hmm. images mm-hmm. that like it was supposed to be video technically, but it was like a new frame every two seconds. So it was just, but behind they're talking full, like it's a news broadcast or sports update or whatever. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, this is great. (laughs) How cool is this? I got TV on my phone. (laughs) So then compare that to uh, the smartphone. When that comes out a few years later, what's that? Alexa's listening to our conversation. <laughs> I think I need to turn my volume down. Alexa just said, I don't know that one. <laughs> yeah, she is listening. <laughs> Did I ever, I, I mean, the virtual assistants, assistants creep me out anyway. Mm-hmm. Okay. Because you remember it the still story. creeps me out that I read an email and my phone is telling, like, giving me suggestions on how to reply. That freaks me out because I'm like, you're reading my email. You're obviously reading my email because you're at, you're giving me suggestions on how I should reply. Well, I still remember the time that that really freaked me out about it was when I found out that for Google, you can go into... Oh yeah. Your history, yeah. your Google like your your account history and right. hear your audio from when you ask a Google virtual assistant something. Mm-hmm. And you have the wake word, which is I'm gonna say it slowly with a break. Okay, break. Google. You say the phrase and it perks up. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay. But then you listen to the audio. And the audio recording has you saying the phrase, the phrase, (laughs) like it heard you say the phrase, but that's supposed to be the wake word that starts listening. So how do you already have the phrase? Mm -hmm. But what was worse than that was that I had done it. I had used that at church one time and one of our friends, Jaron was talking in the background and I could hear him talking On the recording before I even started saying, okay. So it's recording all the time then. That's what we're saying. Mm -hmm. So they really are listening to everything, recording everything. And I don't know how long they keep the recordings, but just the fact that they're doing it all the time Mm -hmm. and not just when I say the wake word freaks me out still. And this was years ago when I discovered this. (laughs) (laughs) So if we add AI to that, Mm-hmm. And our new virtual assistants are are basically in our heads, predicting our own behaviors and needs before we even ask them. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I can handle it. I don't know if I, as a person, can come to accept that from a virtual assistant. This is interesting. So there's a supermarket AI meal planner app. That uh, is suggesting recipes that would create chlorine gas. Oh. <laughs> this comes from theguardian.com. A New Zealand supermarket experimenting with using AI to generate meal plans has seen its app produce some unusual dishes, recommending customers recipes for deadly chlorine gas, poison bread sandwiches, and mosquito repellent roast potatoes. <laughs> 
The app created by supermarket chain Pack and Save was advertised as a way for customers to creatively use up leftovers during the cost of living crisis. It asks users to enter various ingredients in their homes and auto-generates a meal plan or recipe along with cheery commentary. It initially drew attention on social media for some unappealing recipes, including an Oreo vegetable stir-fry. When customers began experimenting with entering a wider range of household shopping list items in the app, however, it began to make even less appealing recommendations. One recipe it dubbed aromatic water mix would create chlorine gas. The bot recommends the recipe as the perfect non-alcoholic beverage to quench your thirst and refresh your senses. Serve chilled and enjoy the refreshing fragrance, it says, but it does not note that inhaling chlorine gas can cause lung damage and death. New Zealand political commentator uh, Liam uh, here posted the recipe to Twitter, prompting other New Zealanders to experiment and share their results to social media recommendations, including a bleach fresh breath mocktail, (laughs) ant poison and glue sandwiches, bleach infused rice surprise, and methanol methanol bliss, a kind of turpentine flavored French toast. Wow. Uh, Tropic Turtle <laughs> wrote down exactly what my brain did. My brain. What a good eye. What? <laughs> I was like literally gearing up to tell you, I hate meal planning. This, this is great. great. <laughs> no. In a statement, a spokesperson for the supermarket said that they would keep fine-tuning our controls of the bot to ensure it would be safe and useful. They noted that the bot should not uh, should only be used by people over the age of 18 and that the recipes are not reviewed by a human being. Mm-hmm. <laughs> not appealing. Yeah, you're right. I, I, this is, you know, I think of all of them, I'd try the Oreo vegetable stir-fry. <laughs> I just think that's hilarious that they didn't have a safeguard in place of like, Okay, well, <laughs> only you can't add things items. that aren't food. Yeah, yeah. Let me see what's in my cupboard. A turpentine flavored French toast. Oh gosh, that's dang funny. <laughs> Let's talk about quantum computing. That sounds. That sounds Star that sounds, <laughs> that sounds easy to do this early in the morning. <laughs> Uh, so let's see here. Will quantum computing supercharge AI and then transform our understanding of reality? Mm. This is from scmp.com. Uh, quantum computing could turbocharge AI into something massively universally trans, uh, transmorphative is the word they used here. Are use the South China Morning Post. That's what S, uh, CMP stands for, I'm assuming. Citing a quote uh, from the- theoretical physicist uh, Michio Kaku, AI has the ability to learn new, complex tasks, and quantum computers can provide the computational muscle it needs. AI will give us the ability to create learning machines that can begin to mimic human abilities, while quantum computers may provide the calculational power to finally create an intelligent machine. Uh, the article goes on to say where where AI brings an ability to self-improve and learn from its mistakes, quantum computers add speed and power. So Google CEO Sundar Pichai has said AI can accelerate quantum computing and quantum computing can accelerate AI. So complex calculations that would take classical uh, supercomputers thousands of years to crunch could, in theory, be completed by quantum computers in minutes. 
and expectation of its advantages, the automotive industry is already collaborating with pioneers in the quantum computing arena. Dahmer uh, has partnered with, uh, I'm sorry, Dame, Daimler has partnered with IBM Volkswagen uh, with D-Wave uh, Systems and Hyundai with IonQ. If you can increase the energy density of your battery by another factor of two, three, or four, then instead of, in, in electric cars, instead of 300 miles, you can go 600 miles or 1,200 miles on one charge. That actually starts to cross the threshold where they become much more attractive than fossil fuels. Mm -hmm. And then we can really make an impact on global warming and all the other problems that uh, electric cars have been created to help. Uh, similarly, the mysteries of carbon uh, sequestr sequestration it's early, y'all. I'm sorry. It's hard to say these words. <laughs> Can be unraveled by quantum computing with clear benefits and efforts uh, to reverse global warming or issues with that. Drug design uh, at the molecular level could be revolutionized, opening up new avenues for vaccines and, for example, personalized cancer treatments. There's no doubt about it. With effective quantum computing, our understanding of chemical processes could become godlike. Finance and investment, too, could be revolutionized. Um, the huge range of factors that produce market fluctuations allow for an almost infinite range of possible outcomes, and modeling these possibilities would be relatively simple for quantum computers. Forecasts of market movement would become far more accurate. It goes on, but you see the point. AI plus quantum computing could send Solve us all the world's problems. Yeah, send us forward <laughs> in advancement in a matter of years instead of decades. Mm. So, I'm just weary of making something smarter than ourselves. <laughs> yeah. I mean, essentially, but, we, we can expect that not on, only will massive problems be solved, but they'll be solved quickly. And in the background, these quantum computer AI models can begin building a plan to hijack private 3D printers and build a sentient AI robot army. <laughs> and 2025 becomes the end of humanity. <laughs> and so in that vein, let's talk about spider robots. Okay. <laughs> Spiders, I hate. You're going to love, love this title. <laughs> How to turn an asteroid into a space habitat using self-replicating spider robots. Oh. <laughs> Why do they keep taking the villains from TV shows and making them... Oh, that's a good idea. You know, we could, we could use replicators for this. Uh, uh, wow. Yeah. This is from ScienceAlert.com. A retired technical fellow from Rockwell Collins released a 65-page paper that details an easy-to-understand, relatively inexpensive, and feasible plan to turn an asteroid into a space habitat. Dr. David Jensen uh, breaks the discussion into three main categories, asteroid selection, habitat-style selection, and mission strategy to get there, uh, i.e. what robots to use. He eventually settled on a Taurus as the uh, ideal habitat type and then dives into calculations about the overall uh, station mass, how to support the inner wall, massive columns, all that, how to build. Mm -hmm. uh, but <laughs> how exactly would we build such a massive behemoth on an asteroid? Self-replicating robots are Dr. Jensen's answers. The report's, uh, the report's third section details a plan to utilize spider robots and a base station that can replicate themselves. He stresses the importance of only sending the most advanced technical components from Earth and using materials on the asteroid itself to build everything else, from rock grinders to solar panels. Um... <laughs> <laughs> Spiders are our friends. You're right. 
normal spiders, yes. <laughs> Robot spiders, however. Uh, if anyone's seen Star Trek's Stargate's version of replicators, uh, mm-hmm. they're terrifying. Mm-hmm. They're terrifying. Uh, replicators from Stargate. Uh, this is how it starts. Combine that with the quantum computing AI, and we're doomed. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. Don't think it's possible? Well, let's talk about 3D printers. <laughs> Guys, this today is just the roadmap to our destruction. <laughs> Bamboo's 3D printers started printing while owners were asleep. Oh, dear. Bamboo's X1C and P1P 3D printers started printing unattended overnight without any additional user input, according to user reports uh, from all over. (laughs) Some woke up to failed prints, some found a second copy of a previous print, and at least a few found their Bamboo X1C or P1P had started smacking itself apart, damaging components while trying to print a second copy atop the object they'd already asked for. So what happened? In an official blog post, Bamboo says it's still investigating, but suspects uh, suspects that the, the cloud outage is to blame, and the company says its servers had two brief outages on Tuesday morning where the servers couldn't confirm that the printers had actually printed, but instead of failing gracefully, they wound up sending the same print job again and again until it went through. Bamboo staff believes simply explained the print job sent to the printer before uh, before was trapped on the cloud and then had a delayed start. When contacting uh, contacted by The Verge, Bamboo would not go quite so far as to promise free repairs or replacements for all affected customers, but says anyone who suffered any damage should reach out. Hmm. Uh, so, yeah, to me, this sounds like it could be the real explanation, you know, cloud misfunction, right. or it could be that AI is already attempting to make a connection to the 3D printing network and create an evil vision body <laughs> to go into. So, you know... Just, just, just be aware. Whichever. One of those is happening. Mm-hmm. I don't know which. Uh, Max, formerly HBO Max, uh, is reportedly testing bringing CNN breaking news alerts to all of your favorite shows. Hate that. <laughs> I haven't even read the story yet. You hate it already? <laughs> uh, this is an article from AV Club, and uh, I'm going to read the, the intro paragraph they have here because it's it's perfect. Let's get something out of the way. People love pop-ups. It is a favorite among all demographics. Gen Z, bet. A Discord notification while doom-scrolling TikTok just hits different. Millennials, come on. There's a reason less than half of internet users use pop-up blockers. Pop-ups are lit. Gen X, their days of criticizing consumer culture are over, and now they're all taking a chill pill and being distracted by an alert about Hunter Biden. Baby boomers, they invented this stuff. Of course they want more information at all times of the day. <laughs> per Variety, WBD, which is Warner Brothers Discovery, plans on announcing its nonstop news streaming hub called CNN Max at the end of September. And in addition to all of the Wolf Blitzer that you can handle, they're also looking into ways to make streaming on Max a whole lot worse. <laughs> <laughs> As Variety describes the evolution of the streamer, uh, Warner Brothers Discovery is looking for ways of alerting Max viewers to breaking news while they're watching something else on the service. How great is that? So for the low, low price of $9.99 a month, you can unwind with an episode of House Hunters that can be interrupted by headlines about Trump's mugshot. Uh, They're also planning other experiments like changing the thumbnails depending on who's hosting at any given time, which is less disruptive. Um, But... 
<laughs> like, <laughs> you, 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 yeah, this is exactly what I was about to jump into. So Verdian Toothy Cow says, because CNN Plus was so successful. CNN previously attempted to start its own streaming service. Mm-hmm. It sunk $300 million into this thing. It hyped it for months. They had newscasters quitting their jobs at other like news 24-hour services to host a show exclusively on CNN+. Plus. I think it made it three weeks <laughs> before they're like, you know what, never mind, and pulled the plug and just wow. ate that money. Wow. They couldn't get... I think I think they were shooting for like a couple million subscribers in that first time, like on at any given point. Uh They couldn't get I think it was 10,000 people (laughs) to be on at any given point. Like it was just the one of the biggest streaming biggest and fastest streaming flops ever. Yeah. And so uh, HBO Max is like, well, let's let's try again Uh, for, (laughs) you know. All those people that really want more CNN. There's, <laughs> all, there's, all you two people out there. There's too much CNN as it is. <laughs> That's why they have to force it in your face in front of shows you're trying to escape the real world from. Right, right. Like, with, right. <laughs> like I, <laughs> if I'm going to go watch Succession, you know, I, I don't want to be thinking about, you know, the next big political scandal or mm-hmm. whatever. That's exactly what mm-hmm. I, I like the fiction aspect drama. That's what I want. I don't want the real drama. Right. <sighs> Wait until CNN launches a switch channel. I mean, look, that's what uh, CNN is, right? It's 24 hours of just its own version of doom, daily doom. Uh, what so is, what is haystack? What's that? Joshua. I'm going to pay $5 a month for haystack. What is haystack? Now that you ask that question, I'm going to find out. <laughs> uh, Haystack News. Free news from hundreds of local and global or Haystack Digital Business Cards or Haystack Team. It's I don't a know. news app. News app. Okay. It's so that's what it's app. talking about. <laughs> <laughs> I'd rather pay $5 a month for Haystack. <laughs> CNN is fiction. Well, I mean, you know, there's a good deal of that, too. But anyway, this is the worst idea, I think, that's ever popped up, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. Now, I mean... So now you're going to have people... I want it. ...leaving your <laughs> streaming service because you've added this. Right, and Max is already not doing great. Um, <laughs> I I want to believe that this will be used, like, only for, like, there's a massive hurricane that is right. about to take out half of the country. Right. Get indoors. Or some, <laughs> well, you're already indoors, but get in the basement. Something like that. Mm-hmm. But you know, especially with, I mean, if it's starting this year and next year's an election year, Blah. it's just going to be nonstop, mm-hmm. nonstop political nonsense. Mm-hmm. Like, how long before they just have a little Chiron on the bottom that's just scrolling the news mm-hmm. through every episode of whatever you're wanting to watch and you're just trying? People would plaster paper over their TVs, <laughs> just over that. We'll cut, cut out the whole lower third of the TV and just watch above that. Yeah, this is a terrible idea. Please yeah, don't do it. I mean, that's something I was truly missing, you know, not watching live TV anymore. The, the interruptions to my shows for, for news breaks. Yeah. News breaks. I've been missing We already got the commercials back. Yeah. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. 
<laughs> oh, man. Pop-ups are lit. Oh, after Barbie, Mattel's cinematic universe is ready with 14 more movies. Holy cow. This All the little Barbie films? This comes like from... That. No. Oh. <laughs> this comes from Nerdist.com. Uh, no, we're not talking Barbie. Okay. We're talking oh, Mattel. Gotcha. Gotcha. <laughs> like, okay. Yeah. Move over, old MCU. <laughs> the new MCU, Mattel Cinematic Universe, has arrived. <laughs> and it's ready to launch 14 announced movies and reportedly 45 more waiting in the wings. How many phases is that? Bolstered by the success of the Barbie movie, Mattel is ready to turn all its toys into tales for the young and old. And while nostalgia is on their side to a degree, it feels like the beauty of Barbie did not come simply from Barbie being a beloved and ubiquitous doll. Instead, the movie's success stemmed from the truth mixed in with the other integral counterparts, components, parts of the heart, humanity, and true purpose of story. Mm -hmm. And so they're going to have a big hill to climb for a lot of these properties to right. make a movie that hits that same way. Right. Cause it can't just be, Hey, this movie's about this toy. Enjoy mm -hmm. it. Mm -hmm. It's got to have something to say. Right. Like right. the Barbie movie did. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So here let's, let's just, we're just going to go through <laughs> what's coming. Okay. 14 announced products, projects, projects. Okay. Here we go. Barney. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> of, of all the movies on this list, Barney feels like it might have the most legs to stand on because it it's a character me. with a story. <laughs> it's already done things. Uh, <laughs> so this, uh, this movie won't necessarily take a, uh, necessarily feature a dark Barney, but it will share some of Barbie's more adult visions of a childhood classic. So I don't know how they're going to do this, if it's going to be like about the guy who plays Barney, or if we're going to see weird, fake Barney behind the scenes kind of nonsense, who knows? Uh, but it says it's, it's going to, the movie is going to be surrealistic. That it's play for adults. It's not R rated, but it'll focus on some of the trials and tribulations of being a 30 something growing up with Barney, just the level of disenchantment with the generation. Maybe it's a dude in his forties Who's like seeing Barney everywhere? And nobody else can see. <laughs> I don't know why. That it's worked with be. Winnie the Pooh. <laughs> right? Yeah. Hey. Yeah. Uh, Senecal says, "Aren't there laws about not making media just to sell toys?" Yeah, exactly. But this is not that. This is selling toys Maybe. to make movies out of. <laughs> it's the opposite. <laughs> it's going the other direction. There's nothing wrong with that. Uh, yeah. So this is gonna. This is like actively in production. This is. We heard about this a while ago. So this is soon. We're gonna have this. Okay. Polly Pocket. Do you remember Polly Pocket dolls? They're illegal dolls, now. Like, are they illegal? <laughs> you can't find the tiny ones anymore. The teeny tiny ones? Yeah. Are they a little bigger now? Yeah. Because people were swallowing them and choking on them? Yeah. Cause they're sticking them up their nose? Little girls were choking on them. Yeah. Anyway, this seems like a, a... This could be a similar vein, anyway, to the Barbie movie. Mm -hmm. Right? Because it's still about your little doll character in their own magical worlds. Mm -hmm. They're tiny worlds. But I loved there. Polly Pocket. You had a few of them when we started yeah, dating. We, I remember we saw, I saw them in your my room. My mom kept them all. Yeah. 
to play with with her grandkids. And they had a, like, I'm keeping all the Polly Pockets. You can't a, take them. They had a dude version, too. I don't remember. Of Polly Pockets? Yeah. They weren't Polly Pockets. They were, I don't know, Mini, Mini Max or something like that. I don't know what they were. <laughs> but like they, they were that same thing, same idea. You opened up a little... I don't know, it was like a box of some sort, you know, dragon head, who knows? And then inside it'd be like this little manly world or skate park or something like that. <laughs> I remember those. Yeah, <laughs> Weren't as popular as Polly Pockets, but yeah. Hot Wheels. J.J. Abrams <laughs> is going to be bringing a Hot Wheels movie to life. I don't know if this is going to be toy focused or if it's just going to be a generic right. racing movie. Are the going to talk? <laughs> right. I feel like they should, but also they can't because it'll be a ripoff of cars at that point or the Chevron commercials. Uh, so <laughs> I have no idea what to expect from that, but I feel like if it's just a generic racing movie, mm-hmm. it won't be good. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's a generic racing movie set in a toy universe with the cars don't talk, but there are like little drivers Little toy drivers? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how they're going to do I that. I think they already have like a Hot Wheels cartoon like that. I think I think the boys were watching it one time and I was like, oh, that's right. There is the like a Hot Wheels. This? But it was, like it was bad. Claymation. But yeah, it was bad. I don't yeah, remember. I, was, I don't remember enjoying that. It was terrible. Like, yeah, they <laughs> definitely didn't watch it very long. <laughs> Rock'em Sock'em Robots. This, uh, <laughs> Vin Diesel's going to star in this movie. Uh, didn't they already make this movie? Rock with and um, it wasn't Rock and Soccer Robots, but it was essentially Rock and Soccer Robots with uh, Wolverine with um, Hugh Jackman called Real Steel, where they all had their own like boxing robots and they fought. I'm oh. I'm positive this movie exists, hmm. and I think Real Steel's the name. Let me see, Real Steel, 2011 film, Hugh Jackman, yeah. Like it's already they already did it. Let's see boxing robots right there. That does look like Rock'em Sock'em robots. I'll try and put the picture up uh, in the edited version of the show <laughs> later. But yeah, <laughs> I've never seen it, but I feel like it's got to be uh, exactly what a Rock'em Sock'em robots movie would be, right? Mm-hmm. It's going to be strange. How are they going to make it different? American Girl dolls. Wow, they already have books. They already have books. Just. Mm-hmm. Transcribe it into it's going to be a family comedy that will help girls grow with confidence and develop character. That's what it says right here. So, okay, interesting. All right, now we get to a weird one the Magic Eight Ball. Okay, just gonna make a whole movie about the Magic Eight Ball. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, they made did they make a Ouija board movie? And that was like a horror movie kind of esque thing. Maybe not full R rated, but like it was a creepy movie. It would have to be. I feel like that's what they would do here. More magic infused, but like a you know a, a, a magical. Like, a magical. Eight I've ball. got an eight ball, and it's actually telling the future. It really works. Yeah, <laughs> you know something like that. That could be cool. That could be a fun premise. Like you have a magic eight ball that is actually telling you the truth about what's about to happen. Hmm. Uh, that, that seems, that seems fun. Uh, (laughs) Seneca says, you know, despite their plans, many of these will never get made. That's quite possible, (laughs) but masters of the universe, live action, he-man adaptation. 
which has been in the works for like a long time. Uh, and in fact, I think they already started like working on one for Netflix, but it got canceled. Uh, so I think this is still happening with the same group of people and the same cast they originally had. Uh, mm. And they're just searching for a new home for it. So it might not be a theater movie. Because like I said, it was supposed to go to Netflix originally. So they might try and push this to Hulu or something. Mm. Get it there. Major Matt Mason. Have you ever heard of this toy? No. It's a Mattel doll that's a little different than the others mentioned. He was an astronaut action figure from the 1960s. He lives and works on the moon. So we guess we can see where that would be going. A movie on the moon. His name's Major Matt. Major Matt Mason. And you didn't have one? I did not have one. You're Matt. Well, I wasn't born until the, the mid-80s, so it didn't exist Forget anymore. when you were born. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was going to say the 80s, but I want to clarify. Mid-80s. <laughs> Uh, Uno. A game about Uno. <laughs> I, I have say, no idea. They have been making a lot of different Unos, and they're fun. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uno, we just played Uno Dare this Uno last weekend. Uno the, Flip was all right. kids. So fun. Uno. Uno All Wilds. I like Wilds, that. I hated that. I like the Uno That's All Wilds. Not fun. The, the dose. Dose. I still haven't figured out yet. That's weird. Yeah. Uh, Uno Attack. That was always fun. Oh, that Remember was Remember Uno, Uno Attack? Yeah. Where you'd suddenly get 10 cards out of nowhere. Like, what the heck? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> those were all fun. But I don't know. How do you do a game? What do you do? It? What do you do in a movie? Do you do in a movie? Yeah. Yeah. Unless you, I mean, the realistic thing would be like some sort of Uno tournament and you're following this kid who's really good at Uno. But I'm like, it's mm -hmm. also a lot. Of luck. So could you really do a believable tournament about a kid who has skill in the Uno game? I don't know. Isn't poker also about luck of the draw? Okay, fine. <laughs> That's a solid point. That's a solid point. I don't know, though. That seems weird. All right, here's one I'm actually I'm mixed. I'm excited about it, but I have mixed feelings. Wishbone, like the dog, the that's, the little Jack that's from Mattel. The little Jack Russell, Mattel owns the rights, I guess. Okay, just like Barney. Wishbone was a PBS show in the nineties uh -huh. where he essentially like retold books, right? Right. Yeah. With him, at, with mm -hmm. the dog as a main character, like it's mm -hmm. got a picture of him as Robin Hood, with the little dog pulling the arrow back, <laughs> little dog paw. I remember loving this show. I loved Wishbone. Yeah. What's so the story, much. Wishbone? Right. <laughs> and so that makes me kind of not want them to make a movie about right? it. Right? Don't you ruin won't my it, Wishbone? Yeah, I want it ruined. And also, how would they do it? Is it them just telling a longer book? Or is it going to be like jumping from story to story kind Some of adventure? adventure. Yeah. I don't know. If they're going to do it, they better do it well. Or you're going to have a lot of 90s kids who are very, very upset. Uh, they got Matchbox here. Matchbox will be another car-centric piece from Mattel. Um, an action movie depicting toys from 1953. Thomas and Friends. So the train. Thomas the Train. Uh, they're going to do a fantasy movie somehow okay. about Thomas and Friends. The Viewmaster. The click, 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 little circle. Oh my goodness. Thing with the different images. Mm -hmm. 
that somehow will be an adventure movie. And then Christmas Balloon. This is actually a biopic um, based on a true story. It'll tell the tale of when Mattel donated toys to help make a young girl's dream come true after she tied her Christmas list to a balloon that was found by a grieving couple who worked with the toy company to fulfill the girl's wishes. Uh, Mattel looks to produce a family drama drawing from that story. Wow. Interesting. Hmm. Nice little Christmas movie. So that's it. That's all the goodness. All of the currently announced Mattel movie projects coming up we'll see how many come to pass <laughs> family movies are dead <laughs> 2023 we'll see zero g-rated movies come to theaters uh, this is from not and axios as well uh, if you're a parent to young kids, you may have noticed this trend, but for many, it slipped past the radar until now. The G rating for movies, meaning movies approved for kids of all ages, is essentially disappearing completely from the screen. In 2023, there will be zero G rated movies appearing in theaters. Here's Axios' short write up of the phenomenon to give you a quick look at what's transpiring. This year, there may be zero full-length G-rated movies. Even the Paw Patrol sequel coming September 29th is PG for mild action slash peril. The New York Times notes in a reporter's notebook, Honey, I Blew Up the Family Fun. (laughs) Only a decade ago, 18 G-rated movies came out in a year. In 2003, there were 30 plus. Wow. Here's why it matters. Titles adults and children's can watch to get adults and children's <laughs> adults and children can watch together, which used to be a cinema staple are now sporadic. The time says the G rating, a stalwart of the films of my childhood has nearly disappeared. Culture reporter Alexis Solosky writes a, col- a, col- a corollary <laughs> to the reluctance of producers of family films to admit that they're meant for families. Movie studios do not have a care in the world for family standards or making movies that are friendly to all audiences. Why does this year's Little Mermaid remake need to be PG when the original was an easy G rating? Why does Paw Patrol 2 need to have sequences intense enough to merit a PG rating? Mm -hmm. Why is a G movie disappearing? Here's one theory from Inez Stepman. She says... There's nothing truly for children or truly for adults anymore. American taste has converged in the middle at Disney adult slash 13-year-old hormonal boy. <laughs> <laughs> so everything is made for that demographic, wow. that weird cross-section. So here's... You to- know whose fault it is? Hmm. It's parents. It's parents' uh, fault. Yeah, I agree. For not wanting to go to the G-rated movie. And now they've seen, that. oh, people don't see the movie if it's g They don't go to the theaters because it's for kids. (laughs) So now we have to stick this tiny little bit in just to get it to PG so people will go see it. Let me put something in perspective here. Monsters Incorporated. Monsters, Inc. Mm -hmm. We can't let our children watch it. (laughs) No. Mainly for the thing at the end, toward the end with the scary spider water news dude chasing him down the kids screaming it's very harrowing and intense well they don't like the other guy either the sure the slithery. Slithery guy. but i mean there's intense moments in that movie right that movie's rated g really what's gonna happen in paw patrol 2 <laughs> that's worse than that that's what i need to know right right <laughs> paw patrol are characters that were made for preschoolers right yeah. <laughs> What's uh-huh. happening in Paw Patrol 2? <laughs> yeah. 
That's worse than Monsters, Inc. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Okay. So when yeah. I think of this, I do think of a couple things. Uh, first, when I think of the, I think the shift started to happen when we were kids. Because when we were little, initially we had the uh, educators initiative or whatever uh, requirement that shows had to have some sort of teachable value to them. Okay. So like the cartoons and the kids shows all had to have some sort of overt moral to the story, Mm -hmm. teach you something, be a learning experience, had to have an educational component to it. Mm Mm-hmm. And then that kind of slipped by the wayside as we were kind of growing up. And so we had Power Rangers, we had Ninja Turtles, we had Batman the Animated Series, most of which didn't really have a solid moral or educational value to them. It was just kind of mindless child violence. Okay. <laughs> we were getting into that fantasy violence already younger. Mm-hmm. And even Christian parents, when they're looking for movies that they're going to allow their kids to watch that aren't G rated. Mm-hmm. They're looking for how much sexual content does it have? How much cursing does it have? Mm-hmm. They usually don't care so much about the violence. This is just true. in general. That's the the least of the things. Mm-hmm. That's usually what's bringing things up. Mm-hmm. And so, when we talk about rude humor now being one of the aspects, I think that might be the new driving force. Is rude humor? Mm. Think about Bluey. One of the most wholesome, family-friendly shows, I think, that's ever come across our screens mm-hmm. as parents. It's hard to think of Bluey as anything but family-friendly, but they've had several episodes held back or slightly changed to avoid some rude humor. They have a whole episode about, did dad fart in the daughter's face? Right. <laughs> that took a lot of effort to get to Disney+. Plus yeah. Because... Dad fluffy. Initial, initial, <laughs> original like censors are like, hey, we can't do that. <laughs> and even then, though, there's a lot of fart jokes and pee jokes oh, yeah. in Bluey. Uh-huh. Not so much that you're like, that's gross. Mm-mm. It's always funny. It, it comes off to me as natural mm-hmm. because I live with two boys. Mm-hmm. And even our daughter, when she toots, she goes, I toot. <laughs> I mean, it's hilarious. It's just life mm-hmm. in the family. We talk about those things, but I, I wasn't, it, I feel like it wasn't even really a thing when we were kids or even just a few years ago. That's I true. remember feeling like the Daniel tiger episode about using the potty <laughs> was a bit controversial. Like, Do you really want to show kids using the toilet? This young? I get it. It's about teaching them to go potty. But right. still, I was uncomfortable. And then Bluey came and like, okay, this is great. I don't care. <laughs> All the potty humor you want. So is it, a, is it a bad thing that G-rated movies are going away? Or have children just grown up a bit and the rating system remains unchanged? You know what I mean? Because m- mild, rude humor like this mm. could be enough to warrant a PG rating. Mm-hmm. I think maybe since these were set in the early 1900s, They've slightly changed over the time because PG and PG-13 weren't originally categories, just like the Viridian Toothy Cow is saying. I remember PG-13 was specifically like the latest uh, the latest edition because it was like it's going to be PG, which is right. mostly family friendly, or it's going to be R rated. Mm-hmm. And if mm-hmm. you got one tick too close to R rating, mm-hmm. then that ruins the chance that your movie is going to make any money back then. Mm-hmm. Not so much now. 
but there, I think it might have been Steven Spielberg. I don't know. There's some some big name. It's like, can we make a middle one, please? A PG thirteen, where it's just a little bit more adult, but not full R rated. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and so then that happened. Um, but I think all generations have shifted a bit more to just slightly more each each level, slightly more adult. Mm-hmm. PG thirteen comedies were yeah. a mm-hmm. staple when we were teenagers. Uh-huh. That's true. Dozens a year. Now they're all going full R. Mm-hmm. Have been for the last decade or so. Mm-hmm. If it's going to be a funny PG-13 movie, we're going to kick it up a notch. We're going to go to R. Because mm-hmm. people are still going to go see it. I mean, my mom paid for me and Bubba to go watch Scary Movie in the theaters. That mm-hmm. was a hard R. It had a lot of terrible things in it. My mom didn't know. Parents don't keep up with this stuff right. as much. right? And so <laughs> because we were the children whose parents weren't keeping up as much with it, as we're growing up, we're like, eh, I saw this stuff when I was a kid. <laughs> I saw worse. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, so I feel like, like, I feel like our boys are the only kids in their circles, both at school and even at church that haven't seen a bunch of pg-13 movies Mm -hmm. or worse like they haven't seen any of the marvel marvel movies right yeah we haven't started them on that yet i want to so bad but when i watch them i realize why yeah maybe not yet Mm -hmm. (laughs) maybe maybe we'll wait just a little bit longer (sighs) um cynical says if i remember it was raiders it was raiders of the lost ark yeah it was raiders of the lost ark that that prompted the creation of pg-13 thank you cynical uh, mosaic says a lot of the old g-rated movies are mildly inappropriate now my favorite as a kid was always jungle book animated uh but watching it now it's like oh my this is slightly racist <laughs> that's true uh, what, do you, what, yeah, what do you what do you do with that? Well, you put a disclaimer at the beginning saying, "Hey, <laughs> back then, <laughs> this, this, this normal. Pe- people didn't this people didn't get people. up in arms about this stuff as much, and so we just let it slide." I'm sorry. Gosh, yeah, some of those things are real bad. <laughs> those things are real bad. Um, but anyway, we want to we want to preserve innocence as long as we can. With our children. Mm-hmm. But societal pressure is also a bear. Mm-hmm. Like, if all of their friends are watching all the Marvel movies, mm-hmm. it's hard for us as parents to say, well, no, you still can't watch them. It's, we want to find compromises. Mm-hmm. Like, well, maybe you can watch this one and this one, just not that one yet. And mm-hmm. I don't know. It's, 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 it's hard to get to that point. Like, we watch Into the Spider-Verse. Both of our boys love Into the Spider-Verse, and it was a great movie. It didn't have any cussing, mm-hmm. uh, had some violence, a couple scary moments, but overall, fantastic Spider-Man movie. Sequel comes out. My wife and I watch it, pre-screen it, and it's like, gosh, I say the A word like four times in this mm-hmm. movie. And they say it as a joke. Right. Which is... Which is what they're going to want to copy. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a joke, and uh, that makes them think cussing is funny. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I, just, I don't like that. I think Eli would be okay, our oldest, because mm-hmm. I think he understands when we say, "Hey, don't say that word." Yeah, because he's we've watched we've we've been watching mean, Mandalorian, and they say the D word, and as soon as stuff even, every now and then. as soon as our kids went to kindergarten, they learned all the cuss words. Oh, sure, they went to school. Yeah, and I get that. All their They're friends already cuss. out there. Yeah, but 
All that, our school friends cuss anyway. Right. Some of the church friends. <laughs> <laughs> the ones that have tattoos. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I still don't want it to be like this. Uh, so Trishan says it also depends on where you live. Uh, what one country considers PG might be uh, G and vice versa. Yeah, I think Bluey is a in in Australia where it's made is fine straight up yeah g rated or you know y rated whatever they do i don't know if those ratings are worldwide or just america but anyway no problem there no need mm-hmm. to censor it there come to america we're like oh goodness some of these i think there's still some that we don't have that not because they haven't come out yet or aren't available but because some are just like no there's just too much mm-hmm. too much uh, potty humor we can't bring it in Mm-hmm. And then they, they changed some of them. Like there was a a joke that would have gone over any any kid's head, where bandits talking about if he's gonna get neutered or not. Essentially, <laughs> he doesn't say the word neuter. He's like, I don't know. What if I want to have more kids later? You know that kind of thing. <laughs> and it changed to something about you know his diet or something. I don't know. They changed they changed the whole thing. <laughs> anyway, it's a tough thing. It's a tough thing, but I do think G rated movies might be completely on the way out. Hmm. I don't think we're going to see more. Even most of the Disney movies now mm-hmm. have more rude humor or more peril. Mm-hmm. I think, mm-hmm. I really think the, that Paw Patrol two being PG is a large indicator. Cause again, these are preschool yeah. characters already. Yeah. And the first movie was so good. And this one's so going to be good, too. Well done. It's just going to be a bit intense at some I point. I hope they don't ruin it. <laughs> Please don't ruin Papage. Oh, boy. Hey, Deidre. What? Have you heard about the MGM Grand Casino Hack? No. Oh. Oh, it's, been, it's been bad. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> now, uh, this is being recorded on Saturday the 16th. So for those of you watching this on Monday morning... Things might have changed. I think the latest update is that they're starting to get some of their systems back. But let's go through exactly what's happened and catch you up in case you haven't heard. So MGM, which owns more than two dozen hotel and casino locations around the world, as well as an online sports betting arm, reported last Monday that a cybersecurity issue was affecting some of its systems, which it shut down to protect our systems and data. Okay. okay. Now this is across all of those resorts across the globe. Everywhere. All okay. two dozen <laughs> hotel and casinos, including the MGM Grand in Las Vegas. <clears throat> For the next several days, reports said everything from hotel room digital keys to slot machines weren't working. Even websites for its many properties went offline for a while. Guests found themselves waiting in hours-long lines and check-in to get physical room keys or getting handwritten receipts for casino winnings as the company went into manual mode to stay as operational as possible. MGM Resorts didn't respond to a request for comment uh, and has only posted vague references to a cybersecurity issue on Twitter reassuring guests it was working to resolve the issue and that its resorts were staying open. The attacks show how even organizations that you might expect to be especially locked down and protected from cybersecurity attacks, say massive casino chains that pull in tens of millions of dollars every day, 
are still vulnerable if the hacker uses the right attack vector, and that's almost always a human being and human nature. In this case, it appears that publicly available information and one persuasive phone call were enough to give the hackers all they needed to get into MGM systems and create what is likely to be some very expensive havoc that will hurt both the resort chain and many of its guests. So this article is from Vox, by the way. <laughs> Why a, do people do this? A group, well, I mean, this, this one is clear for money. Uh, a, a group known as Scattered Spider is believed to be the respo uh, responsible for the MGM breach, and it reportedly used ransomware made by Black Cat, a ransomware as a service operation. Scattered Spider specializes in social engineering, where attackers manipulate victims into performing certain actions by impersonating people or organizations the victim has a relationship with. The hackers are said to be especially good at vishing. Uh, or gaining access to systems through a convincing phone call rather mm -hmm. than phishing, which is done through an email. Okay. <clears throat> Scattered Spiders members are thought to be in their late teens and early 20s, based in Europe, possibly some in the U.S. and fluent in English, which makes their vishing attempts much more convincing than, say, a call from someone with a Russian accent or an Indian accent. Uh and, a work, and only a working knowledge of English. In this case, it appears the hackers found an employee's information, an MGM Grand employee's information on LinkedIn, mm -hmm. impersonated that person to call the MGM IG, IT help desk to obtain credentials to access and then infect the systems. Wow. That's all it took. Wow. That is all it took. It was just a simple... Search on LinkedIn, and I'm going to pretend to be this guy. <laughs> they got the credentials to get in and then totally infect the systems. Someone claiming to be a representative of the hacking group told the uh, Financial Times that it stole and encrypted MGM's data and is demanding a payment in crypto to release it. This was the backup plan. The group initially planned to hack the company's slot machines, but weren't able to do that directly, the representative claimed. Uh, if that... If that the representative is talking yeah. to <laughs> the press about it, usually the hackers do take credit, especially if the company that you're hacking is being so tight lipped about it because they want to put pressure on the company. So you're going to put that out into the news so everyone knows, and now they have to do something. They can't keep it up. Well, we're just dealing with the cybersecurity issue, it'll be solved in a couple days. Mm. You can't do that. Uh, so apparently, they also attacked. Um, Caesar's Palace the same weekend and Caesar's Palace immediately paid up. Oh, <laughs> they're like, you know what? No, here you go. Take all the money. That is free. And they did. Oh my gosh. <laughs> That's terrible. Isn't that crazy? I'm sad that like we got a lot of, I can't show you all of them, but, um, there are pictures here from, like different kiosks and things throughout mm -hmm. the hotel uh, for the MG and Grand. Anyway, that's the the biggest name being hit there, and that's just little sad smiley or sad frowny faces saying we're having trouble connecting with the system. <laughs> you know, nobody can do anything, but it's crazy. Like they they're so dependent on the digital system that like they couldn't get into their hotel rooms. Water was shut off for a large portion of uh, the first few days. Because that was all in a digital system. Like, it's it's nuts. Yeah. But more than 90% of cyber attacks start with just a simple phishing 
or vishing thing. Mm-hmm. It's an email or a phone call that's convincing enough to get somebody at IT or a higher up level to be like, yeah, okay, here you go. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. <laughs> That's crazy. It just show, it doesn't matter how doesn't matter much how your technology yeah. is. Doesn't matter how the I human mean, element. It's a casino. Is the the weak link? I mean, a casino <laughs> has. I mean, we've all watched Ocean's Eleven. Those, they, I, I they think have, they did it. They, <laughs> this is Ocean's Fourteen right here. They have so many security levels in place. I'm sure. Yeah. But it doesn't matter if you have one person. Oh, <laughs> that one person's having a bad, bad, bad week. <laughs> poor, poor IT person. <laughs> um, slightly technical says I was reading this article yesterday. Uh, that's all it takes. Majority of the time, put pressure on the companies also to advertise their skill set for people to hire them. Yeah. Yeah. To have them talk in the, yeah. This is where we're at, man. There was another story of uh, another like crypto company got hacked uh, this past week and they lost a bunch of millions of dollars. And like, I thought we weren't able to do that with crypto. I thought that was the whole point is that it was secure. (laughs) Like this is it's this is today's world. This is today's world. Everything is everything is hackable Mm -hmm. because everything is digital. (laughs) That's terrible. Uh, so yeah, vishing, vishing is only going to be more and more of a problem, especially now that we have the capability of mimicking people's voices right. because of AI, mm-hmm. where you used to need like three solid minutes of that person's voice uh-huh. to mimic the voice. And now you only need three seconds of that person's yep. voice. Like, eesh. <sighs> it's Someone a can weird, mimic us now. It's a That's, weird time. Oh yeah, absolutely. For sure. There's, I got, there's hours of my voice, <laughs> <clears throat> but it's uh, it's scary times. In sync reunites for a new song called "Better Place" for Trolls, the third movie. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, this comes from Nerdist.com. <laughs> Yeah, I mean they're all they're all playing trolls of some sort. Actually, I don't know if they're all in it or not, but Justin Timberlake's in it. But they do reunite. Uh, you can actually hear the whole song I think on YouTube now. Uh, the song's called "Better Place," uh, but it premiered partially in the Trolls Band Together trailer. <laughs> Let me read the story, and I'll get to why I wanted to talk about this. <laughs> So the first thing you hear in the tra- trailer is a classic NSYNC song. Okay. You're all I ever wanted, all I ever needed. So tell me what to do now when I want you. I don't know the back. song. Come on. You don't know the song. <laughs> I don't know back. what you're saying. want you back. If you're under the age of 30, you probably don't get the reference. But if you do, you are totally an NSYNC fan. The famous 90s boy band sang those very words in their smash debut single, I Want You Back, quickly making millennial girls swoon. <laughs> swoon. They released their, la- their last album, Celebrity, in 2001, and since then have been, uh, well, we've been wanting them back over two decades. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> two decades later, NSYNC are reuniting for a new song in a seemingly unorthodox way for a Trolls movie. Okay. <laughs> Gross. 
Uh, <laughs> Have you even seen <laughs> no. any of the movies? And I don't need to. <laughs> uh, yes, it seems a bit strange for those who aren't familiar with this universe. The Trolls film follow... Uh, films follow Poppy, voiced by Anna Kendrick, a pink-hued, upbeat troll who eventually becomes the queen of the trolls. The trolls are carefree and love to sing and dance all the time. She eventually falls in love with Branch, who hates all things joy until he forms a friendship and later romance with Poppy. NSYNC <laughs> member Justin Timberlake not only voices Branch in the Trolls franchise, but he also wrote the Academy Award-winning theme song for the original 2016 movie, Can't Stop the Feeling. That's okay. the name of the song, not the movie. Uh, so yep. it makes sense that Trolls Band Together would be an avenue for an in-sync reunion song. In mm -hmm. fact, it seems that Branch's life will somewhat mirror Justin Timberlake's based on what we see in the Trolls Band Together trailer. Branch is a former member of a huge boy band made of his brothers. <laughs> he will apparently save one of them from a kidnapping before they have a surely happy reunion. Uh, mm -hmm. We only hear a snippet of NSYNC's new, NSYNC's new song. Uh, in the trailer, but it sounds upbeat and fun. Again, you can now find the whole song on YouTube. Wow. All right. So I'll admit, <laughs> I'm not a fan of the Trolls movies. Not necessarily because I've seen them and don't like them, but because they've always looked stupid to me in the trailers. And uh -huh. I have no interest in seeing them. Uh -huh. uh, seems like a lot of fart humor. These also don't look like the Trolls of my childhood, the, the toys. <laughs> you want them to? <laughs> I not necessarily. I don't necessarily need them to be naked, but I would like them to kind of look like them, other than just the hair. Um, there was also, which I don't think they've made reference to, and I'm kind of mad about it. There were Troy tro trolls dolls for boys. Okay. When I was a kid, and I had some of them, but they weren't tiny little trolls. Okay. They were giant muscular trolls. That had like gemstones in their chest. And it was some magical story of them being regular trolls. And then these gemstones made uh -huh. them superhero type things. Uh -huh. And those gemstones like sparked when you move their arm or whatever. Like they were dope. Uh -huh. <laughs> I bet they're in the movie. How have they not been in the movie? I bet they are. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, Justin Timberlake has been a character in all three of these movies. So it does kind of make sense to use this as an opportunity to bring them back together. Uh, Joshua Sanford says, uh, I won't lie. Those troll dolls freaked me out as a kid. <laughs> and then he had a breakdown, mental breakdown. I think it was the eye. There we go. Hi, healing. It is theories. I think it was the eyes. Uh, <laughs> he obviously thought his fingers were somewhere else on the keyboard there. <laughs> uh, but okay. But it feels like, really, <laughs> this this is, is why the you reason. Come back this is what brought you back together—a semi-popular children's movie, and not even like the main movie, the the second sequel <laughs> of the, the series. Uh, this isn't the first time, of course, that big names make good music for movies. Uh -huh. Power of Love, Back in Time, both of those made for. The Back to the Future franchise. Okay. Celine Dion's My Heart Will Go On. Mm -hmm. Titanic. It's an iconic song. Yep. But those were paired with, with amazing cultural stopping point kind of movies. <laughs> Again, he's never seen Trolls. He he might be their biggest fan. This iconic <laughs> moment is at risk of being forgotten 
or being tied to a subpar sequel to a children's series. Aww. That's what I'm worried about. <laughs> Trisha Birch says, I didn't even know there was the Trolls too. <laughs> <laughs> See, now I gotta watch him. Right. However, the opposite could happen. Uh-huh. Could this reunion be strong enough to actually make the third Trolls movie a huge success? Mm. With all the millennial parents going like, all right, well, now well, we got to see this movie. We have to see it. Right? Mm-hmm. I might sound like I'm making a bigger deal out of this than it really is. And you are. <laughs> but I see this as a case study. Okay. Does the movie make the song or does the song make the movie? Oh, okay. okay. All right. If yeah. Back to the Future or Titanic were garbage movies, would we still love their signature songs? Oh. I posit we would not even know they existed. Because <laughs> no one watched the movie. Because nobody watched the movie. How is it going to get that popularity if it's what key we need vehicle? To do is go back to all the garbage movies that have been made in the past and listen to their soundtrack. I'm sure they've got. I'm sure there's a list somewhere of like every song that was made for a movie. Yeah. Specifically, and, do and we you could know pull it? out the garbage ones. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, I do I'm, have a confession. Yeah. I was never into either of the boy bands that existed. Either. Either. Did you just say either? Either. Like there was only two? No, I'm talking about the two big ones, the InSync <laughs> and the Backstreet Boys. Yeah. 98 Degrees would like to have a word with you. Oh my God. I don't even know who that is. <laughs> Plus one will not be denied. Okay. Okay. Come on. Come on. The two big ones. <laughs> 98 Degrees was big. Plus one was not so big. <laughs> But Apparently yes, Backstreet Matthew Boys and NSYNC were the, the two movie. most popular ones. <laughs> I will agree with you. Um, yeah, you yeah, know what? I, I liked. I liked a lot of any. <laughs> never got into any. Of it. I don't I think also I didn't get into Britney Spears. I I don't think I would have admitted that back then. But I was pretty heavily to Amy Grant. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't like. I was little. I didn't like buy any of their music, but I knew a lot of it. I bet he did. My parents worked in radio. And we had a top 40 radio station. So I was hearing those songs all the time. Yeah, I guess. So. <clears throat> My parents were like, no, we're going to listen to Carmen. <laughs> Carmen and, and 80s Amy, Amy Grant. Grant. <laughs> Amy Grant DC before Talk, she became. Before, you know. Non-Christian. Like, like old DC Secular Talk. radio. Uh-huh. <laughs> old those, DC Talk. Yeah. Yeah, old rap DC Talk. <laughs> <laughs> I love rap music. <laughs> Heaven, heaven bound, heaven, heaven bound, bound, heaven, heaven, yeah. heaven, heaven, heaven bound, bound. My boy band was P.O.D., says Tristan. Heck yeah. We saw P.O.D., right? Did we see P.O.D.? I feel like it. I feel like we went and saw P.O.D. I feel P.O.D. like it. Because I have their shirt. I had. I probably don't anymore. I had a P.O.D. shirt. You had the satellite shirt. I don't think we ever got to see them. No. No. Was that that one that we were going to go to and it got canceled? No, that was Newsboys. Oh. Um, Pillar came here, though. I remember we Pillar. saw Pillar here Maybe at that's the 180 building. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, what happened? I, I think I remember how we got the shirt. It wasn't that POD came here, but it was the week that their album came out. The big radio station that used to be in Albuquerque that used to like go to all the whole state. Uh-huh. Came down and did like a big remote in okay. our city, like, and they were at our school during the school day, giving out stickers and 
other like merch and stuff. And I'm pretty okay. sure that's where we got it. That album came out on September 11th. Dang. Yeah. And so it kind of got tied to September 11th for a while. Huh. And that was the album with Boom and Youth of the Nation and Alive on it. Okay. So all those songs kind of got tied to that moment in history. It was wow. a big deal. <laughs> um, but anyway, that's that's the news story. <laughs> <laughs> Let's move on to other news. Uh, oh, Deidre, it's just another one of these. <laughs> what? Microsoft publishes garbled AI article calling tragically deceased NBA player useless. Oh, my gosh. Mm-hmm. Form, this comes from uh, futurism.com. Former NBA player Brandon Hunter passed away unexpectedly at the young age of 42 last week. A tragedy that rattled fans of his 2000s career with the Boston Celtics and the Orlando Magic. But in an unhinged twist on what was otherwise a somber news story, Microsoft's MSN news portal published a garbled, seemingly AI-generated article that derided Hunter as useless in its headline. Brandon Hunter, useless at 42. Oh, my gosh. Mm -hmm. (laughs) On the headline. The headline. Which was quickly called out on social media. The rest of the brief report is even more incomprehensible, informing readers that Hunter handed away after achieving vital success as a a head for the Bobcats and performed in 67 video games. (laughs) Condemnation for the disrespectful article was swift and forceful. AI should not be writing obituaries, posted one reader. Pay your dang writers, MSN. (sighs) The most dystopian part of this is that AI, which replaces us, will be as obtuse and stupid as this translation, wrote a Redditor. But for the money men, it's enough. Guys. (laughs) Wow. I mean, there there is no current confirmation that this was written by AI. But. Come on. It had to be. Human would not have. It was that or someone actively in the middle of a stroke. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, what else could it be? Or someone wanting to be fired. Someone wanting to be fired. (laughs) Uh, There there are some things AI should just not write. Mm -hmm. And there needs to always be a human editor paying attention to these things. Yeah. And they're going to tell you this was a human, just like last time. With uh, the other, I think it was MS, oh, yeah. MSNBC or something like that. Uh-huh. It? Yeah, it was a hu- hu- it was human error. We have sure it was. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, there was human error involved, <laughs> but that's not where it started, and we all know that it mm-hmm. started with you using AI to write your article. Wow! Come on, folks! Come on! Now on to our top story: Agility Robotics is opening a humanoid robot factory. Beating Tesla to the punch. Ooh. Yeah. So Tesla, Elon Musk, announced like humanoid drone robot kind of things mm-hmm. a while back now. I'm going to say maybe two years ago. But uh, this one's coming like this year. Okay. <clears throat> so Agility Robotics is wrapping up construction of a factory in Salem, Oregon, where it plans to mass produce its first line of humanoid robots called Digit. Uh, each robot 
has two legs and two arms and is engineered to maneuver freely and work alongside humans in warehouses and factories. So this factory that they're building, this facility is a 70,000 square foot facility. The company is calling it uh, the RoboFab, and it's the first of its kind, the first large-scale robotic robot producing like okay. facility mm -hmm. COO uh, Andrea Campbell, who was formerly Apple's senior director of iPad operations and an engineer manager at Ford told CNBC that the facility will have a 10,000 unit annual max capacity when it's fully built out and will employ more than 500 people. That means they're going to be making 10,000 robots. Holy cow. A year. Holy cow, that's an army. <laughs> right? <laughs> For now, though, Agility Robotics is focused on installation and testing of its first production lines. It's a really big endeavor, not something where you flick a switch and suddenly turn it on. There's a ramp-up process. The inflection point today is that we're opening the factory, installing the production lines, and starting to grow capacity and scale with something that's never been done before, Campbell said. It is funded by DCVC and Playground Global among uh, venture investors. Agility Robotics beat would-be competitors to the punch, including Tesla, with its Optimus initiative by completing development of production prototype humanoid robots and standing up a factory where it can mass-produce them. Uh, one thing Digit lacks, Digit the robot, that's the robot. Uh -huh. One thing Digit lacks is uh, a five-fingered hand. Okay. Instead, the robot's hands look more like a claw or a mitten, like a single claw, like this. Okay. Not like claws, but like a claw. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, um, one of the one of the people says that human style hands are very complex. When I see robots that have five fingers, I think, oh great, someone built a robot and then built two more robots onto that robot. <laughs> you should have a hand that is no more complex than you need for the job. Wow. So that's what they're doing. So. Well, we know AI can't do hands, right? AI cannot make hands. <laughs> Not oh, when you want an AI image. Their hands are awful. <laughs> Horif horrific. Awful. <laughs> Terrible. Frightening. Uh, Digit can traverse stairs, crouch into tight spaces, unload containers and move materials onto and off of a pallet or a conveyor. Uh, then help and sort and divide material onto other pallets, according to Agility. The company plans to put the robots to use transporting materials around its own factory. Agility preferred, uh, Agility's preferred partners will be the first to receive the robots next year. Next year. Oof. And the company is only selling. They're not renting or leasing the systems in the near term. Asked if the company is concerned that its technology could steal jobs from people, Shelton said uh, he envisions Digit allowing manufacturing and logistics businesses to meet rising demand as recurring rem recruiting remains a challenge and as many workers retire or opt to leave the industry. Mm. <laughs> I will say the baby boomers are retiring and That's they're true. leaving a big hole. That's true. That's true. And us millennials <clears throat> apparently don't want to work, so... <laughs> But like up to now, and still still including now, but like within a year, it won't be. But up to now, this has been a future hypothetical yeah. thing in the future. Mm -hmm. Like I still always think of iRobot, not the main story of iRobot, but like the beginning where we see like the errand drones, like the older models that are like 
running purses and things to people and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Uh, And (laughs) it kind of, it makes me nervous, not in a scary movie kind of way, just like a, it's going to be weird if one day we're walking along, you know, Walmart next to drones that are shopping shopping for you. (laughs) You don't need the in-store shoppers anymore at Walmart with their gigantic carts. (laughs) Gigantic. So big. Take up that you can't get past them. Anyway, uh, (laughs) that's a whole nother topic. So that's happening. 10,000 a year starting next year. That's happening in a kind of co main topic for today. Top Uh story here. We're also getting flying taxis. Hundreds of flying taxis. Hundreds. hundreds. To be made in Ohio beginning this year or next year. Under an agreement announced Monday, Joby Aviation will build hundreds of electric vehicle takeoff and landing aircraft in the same Ohio River Valley where the Wright brothers pioneered human flight. Associated Press says uh, Joby's decision to locate its first scaled manufacturing facility is a 140-acre site at Dayton International Airport, which delivers on two decades of groundwork laid by the state legislators. Republican Lieutenant Governor John Husted said, importantly, the site is near Wright-Patterson Air Force Base and the headquarters of the U.S. Air Force Research Laboratories. The Wright brothers, Orville and Wilbur, lived and worked in Dayton. In 1910, they opened up the first U.S. airplane factory there. To connect the historical dots, Joby's formal announcement Monday took place at Orville Wright's home, Hawthorne Hill, and concluded with a ceremonial fly-past of a replica of the Wright Model B flyer. Joby's production aircraft is designed to transport a pilot and four passengers at speeds of up to 200 miles per hour with a maximum range of 100-mile distance. It's quiet... Oh, I'm sorry. It's quite noise. Sorry. No, I'm sorry. I said it right. It's quiet noise profile is barely audible against the backdrop of most cities. The company said the plan is to place them in aerial ride sharing networks beginning in 2025. Wow. Two years, a year and a half from now. Wow. The $500 million finally, project finally did it is supported Back by the future. up to $325 million of incentives from the state of Ohio. It's Jobs Ohio Economic Development Office and local government. With the funds, Joby plans to build an Ohio facility capable of delivering up to 500 aircraft a year and creating 2,000 jobs. Wow. <clears throat> so, it's not like flying cars it's not we're not hover converting our cars uh-huh it's not back to the future it's more like a cross between a car a helicopter and a prop plane okay uh so it's got it looks like a prop plane it's got kind of a car interior mm-hmm. looks like a prop plane but it's got six vertical propellers and then i believe the front two fold down as it travels forward but uh it will like like a helicopter go straight up straight straight down so i think it's kind of like the drones maybe it's similar in how the drones take off off and land yes 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 yes. maybe they don't maybe the things don't maybe the propellers don't move it just it looked kind of like that they move that way Mm -hmm. but they don't do that on drones Mm -hmm. drones fly Mm-hmm. Just fine. So maybe, yeah, maybe they're like drones. 
uh, all, <laughs> all production done by robots. It's uh, it looks really cool, uh, and so I kind of I'm kind of excited about it. <laughs> if that's two years away, just in Ohio, and it takes off in Ohio, and people are are down for it, and people are not dying because of it, people that are not would be dying because of it. It would be pretty cool to have that in areas where, like, you need to get somewhere that's 90 miles away in uh-huh. 10 minutes. Uh-huh. That would be neat. Like, it's perfect for, like, our area. If they could, if they could bump it up longer, uh, more than 100 miles, which I'm sure they'd be able to eventually if this is just a set. Yeah. Like, right here, we live in a weird triangle. Mm-hmm. where there are two larger cities about mm-hmm. an hour and a half away from us in different directions mm-hmm. that people in our town have to go to all the time, mm-hmm. all the time for one reason or another. Especially now that our Walmart burned down. Yeah. Especially now. It'd be really cool if you could get a robo taxi, get there in 20 minutes, half an hour, whatever, uh-huh. half an hour. And then, you know, Uber, wherever you need to go. This is true. And then come back later that day. That'd be really cool. Get the taxi back. Get the taxi back. I bet that would be one expensive trip. It would be expensive. <laughs> but the more you do it, the more common it becomes. It would eventually, in two decades, uh-huh. cost the same as a cab, which will also be very expensive. <laughs> because money's only getting more and more worthless. Uh <laughs> But I mean, how long before we have skyways, you know, like uh-huh. so much traffic like that, that we have to designate certain we gotta, yeah. paths and stuff, just uh-huh. like they did in Back to the Future. Yeah. It's, it's cool to think about. Uh-huh. So robots, flying cars, all that is starting. It's happening now, guys. Mm-hmm. It's no longer hypothetical. It's happening now. We hope you have a fantastic day, and we thank you for making Rise and Shine Nerds a part of it. Catch us every Monday on YouTube, LTN Radio, or subscribe on your favorite podcast app. Catch all 46 episodes of the show before this one at lovethynerd.com slash rise and shine, just in case the little bit we gave you here wasn't enough. If you want all of it, it's all there, and you can go have it right now, video or audio format. LoveThyNerd.com slash Rise and Shine. And tell us what you think of the show via our socials at Rise and Shine LTN on Facebook and Twitter. Once again, I'm Radio Matt. And for Daedra, remember, Jesus loves you, nerds. <laughs>